0: Evernational Orienteering Podcast. Mapping Converse, Navigation Skill, Orienteering Competition. i <inaudible> Running like a motherfucker. Orienteering Podcast. Again, uh, warm welcome to Evernational Orienteering Podcast. Um, you now we are in the dark and uh, cold, and uh, in Oslo today it's also snowing, so it's not. Uh, The orienteering season, but even though uh, there are some orienteering to talk about, uh, uh, there is some uh, uh, transfer or uh, some silly season news. And there are some selections and uh, also some uh, small stuff. And we have a big interview with uh, Janis Ponek, uh, the uh, breakthrough guy from Austria in this episode. Uh, that's something to look forward to and and uh, this week Eva uh, we could see the start of something uh, you uh, has to be looking forward to. Uh, you were, I think you are uh, busy selecting the Swiss uh, junior national team uh, this uh, week we have behind us.
1: Yeah, so since last time we spoke, uh, I've been a part of selecting the Swiss Junior national team for next season. Uh, my first big task as a coach for the Swiss junior team and also very interesting of course I've been seeing a lot of selections over the year from the outside uh, both as a runner myself and also as an observer of the sport and being now on the inside of the meeting room it's uh, it's something new but also very very interesting and a very cool job to do Uh, you get a lot of a lot of important info about the runners You, you are thinking about maybe should be in the team or not. And yeah, it was a very interesting process. And I think we are very happy with the teams we have selected. Uh, it's a very strong team, both the women and the men side. And yeah, it's also very, very big junior teams compared with many other countries. There's 11 women and 11 men. So 22 persons in the junior team, I think that's much, much bigger than what you see in most countries.
0: Yeah, that was uh, my question. What, what is the philosophy there?
1: Uh, well, I mean, this has been the pro the standard process in the Swiss selections for for many many years. So I don't know the I don't know really the reason why this they did it like this uh, back in the days and why it's been kept like kept like this. But yeah, I mean, having a lot of people on the team, uh, it's good in many ways. For example, when you go to training camps, uh, if you have eleven runners, there is uh, more likely that a lot of them are able to run they are able to come they are healthy they are not injured uh, if you have a small team with say you have six runners on the men's side and six runners on the women's side then suddenly one guy is sick and two girls two guys are injured and then you have three guys running uh, the fast sessions together in a, in a training camp so I think it's yeah when it's financially possible and you have the resources to do it I think a, a big team is uh, it's it's the best in always.
0: Uh yeah and uh, when you do such uh, selection uh, how many uh argue, uh telephones from parents uh, who has not their uh, son or daughter in the team have you got uh,
1: I got none uh, but then I don't know if my bosses have gotten some more uh, but yeah I think uh, I think it's it's always a bit hard with these selections there's always quite a, hard fight about the last two three spots in the team um, but yeah that's uh, that's the part of these kind of selections you have to draw a line somewhere and you know ideally you would maybe like 15 uh, because the, the runners that are number 12 13 14 15 they can suddenly be running j next year uh, so yeah but it's all you always have to put the limitation somewhere
0: yeah and uh, and uh, then uh, you also get a reaction but uh, how was it when you selected did uh every three or four of you come with your own uh, Excel sheet with uh, all the results, or uh, what was it, uh, yeah?
1: Yeah, and of course the results is uh, it's a big part of it, but uh, in Switzerland there is also some different measurements as well. Uh, there is this uh, kind of ranking list uh, over the year which takes part, it includes the orienteering races, and then it includes some physical testing and some other stuff. Uh, with the technical uh, ability and stuff like that so the data was very very big Uh, and of course that's yeah I mean it takes a bit time to process everything but it also gives uh, uh, the coaches an easier job to select I think so uh, yeah I think uh, yeah it was a nice experience because we had uh, as me and Gianni Guglimenti that this men's coach we are both new this year so in this selections meeting then we had also the coaches from last year with us so it was some very interesting discussions uh, a, a little bit of different uh, view of, of some things uh, but very very uh, interesting and I think in the end we were all very very on the same page uh, in the selection
0: uh, From uh, junior selection and uh, a bit about uh, philosophy and strategy there in Switzerland we can move to uh, Denmark uh, we saw uh, the last week that uh, Danish uh, Federation uh, uh, had a press release that they are changing stra- strategy in uh, the national team uh, groups. Uh, what's new there? Yeah, so the Danish Federation
1: they have announced a big, big change in how they will structure the, the national team on the elite level. Um, So, for reference, in 2023 season, uh, they had 11 women and 5 men in the so-called elite team and 4 women and 8 men in the under-23 team. Uh, So, that was a total of, uh, if my maths is correct, almost 30 runners. Uh, And now it's said that they will change direction. Um, It's been a process over a couple of years now where they tried to make the elite scene in Denmark broader with more runners aiming to compete internationally with more runners to be performing at the higher level. And now they feel that that's kind of sorted. So now they have good depth, uh, but they are lacking the top results and they have not been winning medals. And therefore they want to change the focus a little bit for the national team. So you have much, much fewer runners. uh, So you have more focus to support and help the, the guys and girls that you think can perform at top, top level internationally, and then hope that uh, this this process leading up to now where they've been making the depth broader, uh, that means that the, you're not depending on being on the national team to be able to train and compete at the high level. Uh, so therefore, they want to focus on maybe five, six men or women. Uh, that can be performing internationally. Uh, so it, it's not clear exactly how it, the structure will be of the team, uh, but yeah, it will be much smaller. Uh, and yeah, a smaller elite team will also free resources to put into the talent development. Uh, and I think that's something that we see from the Danish team in the last few years is that they have uh, yeah, the depth on the elite level has been better uh, and on the junior level, they have a the couple of few runners that have been performing well. You have this uh, Oskar, uh, David Brom Jensen, that won a medal at J-Walk this year. Uh, so clearly there are some talents, but it feels like on the junior side, the depth has been really, really weak uh, in the last few years. And they, I think it's good for Denmark to maybe put more resources into juniors.
0: Yeah, they have some uh, some good, but uh, yeah, uh, as you see, uh, say, as you uh, talking about uh, there are uh, yeah, big gaps between them um, one guy who is uh, performing good also in um, cross country we talked about uh, Martin regborn uh, last episode uh, he was uh, having um, two silver medals in the national uh, champs in cross country in Sweden and then uh, it was uh, yeah uh, maybe natural that he is now selected for the Nordic uh, champs in cross country running in Iceland in a couple of weeks. Uh, and if he uh, performs good also there, then he may be selected for the European champs. Uh, that could be uh, exciting. Yeah, I saw that when he he wrote on Strava something about that uh,
1: when after the Nordic champs where he did so well that his off-season is, uh, is being changed a little bit now because now he would likely be selected for Nordic champs and Obviously, he was selected for that. I think there was no real discussion uh, after his strong performances in the Swedish Championship. Uh, and yeah, I mean, if he qualifies for the European Champs, this, uh, his off-season will be very, very special because I think the European Champs is in... Yeah, it used to be in
0: December, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, this year is uh, 10th of uh, December. Then he will be up to Jakob Ingebrigtsson. Uh, he has announced that he will run there.
1: Yeah, or at least they will start together and then, and then see each other after the race, maybe. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's always cool to see orienteers uh, doing well. Uh, so hopefully Martin will run a very strong Nordic championship at Iceland.
0: I remember a couple of years ago when he was injured, he, he did this uh, indoor rowing as an alternative training. And uh, then uh, he got uh, also a Swedish medal in the national champs in indoor rowing. Because he got so good in that uh, uh, discipline, that's quite uh, quite cool.
1: Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'm not sure if uh, it's if it's enough to call him very very multi talented, but uh, I mean he has a very strong physique and a strong mind, and I think for indoor rowing that's uh, that's really something special because it's so much about the pain and just being able to withstand it. Uh, in running, it's maybe a little bit more about the flow uh, because the, the races are longer. Uh, but yeah, we saw at European champs he's running very, very fast. And he was running very fast at the Swedish champs. So there is no reason for not being able to run very fast also at Nordic champs. Uh,
0: there are uh, also some fast runners that uh, will change clubs. Uh, and uh, now know it's uh, time to talk about the silly season. That's always a big uh, talking point in this uh, time of year. Uh, and uh, yeah, there has been... Um, something already uh, from uh, the summer and uh, towards now, but we can uh, sum it up a bit now.
1: Yeah, so basically a lot of stuff has happened in the summer and autumn already, uh, but we haven't been able to talk about that uh, because we had so much, so many races to talk about. Uh, So we will start with a little bit of summary of things that have happened and where runners have changed club and already been running for the new club. Uh, So a good place to start is in Switzerland and Five members of the Swiss Junior National Team for 2023 or 2024 uh, have gotten their first club in Scandinavia. Uh, The biggest name here is definitely Pascal Scherer, uh, the bronze medalist from JVOK Long this summer. Uh, He was in August, he was up in Gothenburg and already did his first races for IFK Göteborg. Uh, So that's definitely one big transfer to look down on and see maybe in, in the future. This is one of those transfers, you know, that have a big, big impact on the big relays. Uh, we will have to see. He is definitely a very, very good volunteer. Uh, and with development also in Scandinavian terrain, he, I mean, the road to the first team in EFK is not that long for a guy that is winning j medals.
0: Uh, definitely interesting there. And uh, also some other uh, from the Swiss uh, junior team. Yeah, so
1: Yoshi uh number seven at Jaywalk Long, uh, he was also in the Swiss second team that got the silver medal in the relay. Uh, he has one year left as a junior, so he'll be doing, running Jaywalk next year, hopefully, as well. And he, together with uh, Elia Gartman, uh the both of them will run for Snetringe, uh, the club of Simon Hector. And yeah, we know Snetringe, they have a, they have some good runners, and we will, sometimes you have seen them a bit early in, in the TV broadcast of Teamilla uh, mainly because Simon Hector has been running well, uh, but there is, uh, yeah, possibilities. And now with two strong additions uh, that might turn out to be extremely good runners, uh, we will have to see how it goes in the future. Uh, but I think that's a uh, that's a big addition for Snetting, and yeah, I mean they should be able to uh, to get up in the fight where they can be visible at TV for a long time during Team milan and maybe, of course, in the end they will struggle over ten legs or over seven legs, but. Yeah, that's a team to look out for. They have a lot of young runners. And with Simon Hector as the big front guy in that team, there is a good possibility it's to improve the, the club records.
0: Yeah, especially in Jukla, uh, as you mentioned. Yeah, definitely. Uh,
1: and then we have further two very young guys, uh, Lukas Gasser and Gatian Böni. Uh, both of them won medals at the European Youth Champs this summer. And they will be running from UK and uh, that is a club from Allingsås. Just outside of Gothenburg, probably not uh, additions that will make us see Skoksvollan a lot in the TV screen. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's always good for non-Nordic runners to be able to go to the Scandinavian relays to to go to train in Scandinavian terrain. And both of them, yeah, with medals at European U champs, uh, they are definitely big talents.
0: Uh, yeah, and from outside. Uh... Gothenburg. Uh, yeah, we can move into the city center.
1: Uh, yeah, are... and, and here in the big Gothenburg big clubs, there is uh, always a lot of stuff going on. And some of the things they have already happened and other things are still awaiting a conclusion. Uh, so we can start with what's already sorted, and that's uh, the Swiss junior, no, sorry, the Swiss elite national team runner, Jonas Ecke. Uh, he moved to Gothenburg in the summer uh, and he, will, he has changed back to Göteborg Majorna after some years running for Uel the Swiss club. Uh, he was running for Myrna, Majorna yeah, five, six years ago, and then he changed to Uel And now he's back in Göteborg Majorna, now, now that he's living in Sweden. Um, and then, as every summer it seems, uh, a bunch of Norwegian orienteers has moved to Göteborg. Uh, the biggest name is clearly Elias Jonsson, uh, the last leg runner from Tiumila when Anthony won Tiumila this year. Uh, it's not been announced anywhere whether he's going, but I think IFK is probably the most likely destination. Uh, but of course, as it's not decided, I mean, the, he might go to He might. I mean, there's also a possibility that he, he goes back to his home club, Nydan, and because in Göteborg you can still train with a lot of people if you don't run for a club there. So there are many options, but I guess the, the most likely one is that he is ending up in IFK Uh, Other than that, we have a bunch of younger Norwegian runners there. Uh, Philip Rumern, Heidi Sebernsen, Mari Eidsmu and Elisa Götsch-Iversen. All of them have been representing Norway internationally at junior levels the last couple of seasons. Uh, So far, no confirmations here at which clubs they will go to. Uh, But, yeah, for example, Mari Eidsmu is the younger brother of Hovair Eidsmu. So I think it's quite likely that she's ending up in EFK Göteborg. But from what I've been hearing uh, a guy like Philip Rümer and is likely heading to Major now. and it's a bit different situations in these two clubs. And I think if I'm coming, if I was in the situation of Elias Jönsson moving to Juttbom, then I would think that maybe EFK is the club for me because they have a lot of guys my age, maybe a little bit older, uh, that is already established internationally, uh, competing with the national team and so on. So maybe you fit in a little bit better there. Uh, while if I'd been a young guy like this, I mentioned last, uh, they are ju- juniors 19, 20 years old and moving to Yataaba, then I think maybe Otomobil is the better club for that because they have a lot of young runners that are really good, uh, both on the men's side and the women's side, they have very strong juniors. Um, so yeah, we will see. Uh, but I think I think it would be good for the younger ones. To maybe go to Edman Myrna, and for Elias Jonsson probably to go to EFCO. Uh
0: You mentioned uh, Maria Edsmo and you slipped out to tell uh, she was the younger brother of Huawei. Uh, oh, Edsmo. Yes. Uh, yeah, younger sister. Younger sister, but uh, <laughs> the younger brother, he is up in uh, Trondheim, and then we can move uh, to Trondheim and uh, and to Yeah. So
1: yeah, we mentioned Elias Unson that will be moving away from Anthony. And always in Trondheim there is, yeah, every autumn there's a lot of students that are moving to Trondheim and a lot of them are changing club to Antony. Uh, we've already seen that uh, some of the Norwegian juniors, they have made a change to Antony already after the Norwegian championship. Uh, and The biggest of these names are on the women's side where we see, for example, Inibor Eikeland and Jandina Jelsta Rebord. Both of them running J-walk for Norway this year uh, and both of them with a profile that maybe leans a bit more towards the sprint races. Uh, but, yeah, Eitlan was number five at the J-Walk middle distance, so she can run really well in the forest as well. So every year, yeah, a lot of students move to Trondheim, and it, even if it's not always obvious that they are changing to Anthony, uh, sometimes they stay with the club. Uh, but one of the runners that is moving is, uh, has been moving, is Uda Schele, that is in the Norwegian national team. She's been running for Ukoline the last year after living one year in Uppsala. Uh, but now that she's been moving to I think uh, a transfer to Anthony is very likely and I think that will have a massive effect on their women's team because she Uda is a very good runner, she's very young, 22, 21, 22, but she has already a lot of experience from the relays, I have one year with uh, Ukoline, third place in Ukola, for example, and she's also been uh, running in the first team for Niedal uh, before that, so even um, at a uh... young age she has a very good level of experience.
0: And also, j last year, a gold medal in the sprint relay and a silver medal in the long distance there in uh, Portugal. So, definitely a good runner. Yeah, and then there's also some very interesting Swedish runners in Tottenham. Uh, we have
1: Albin Varvelin that is running for Ottunda and Edwin Helsten that is running for shopping. Uh, Varvelin, he was running j this summer for Sweden. And Helsten, he won gold and silver at Swedish Championship night and middle distance this autumn. So both of them very young runners that can strengthen the Anthony relay teams in the future if they decide to change. But yeah, you never know with these Swedes moving to Trondheim. We had Emil Grafis, for example, he was running yeah, he was living in Norway for many, many years, and he was running the races in Norway for Anthony, but he was running the big relays for his home club, Uko Ravin. So it will be interesting to see what these guys do if they are staying with their Swedish club or if they' are changing full- time to Anthony.
0: And we also, uh, Sweden Swedish runners And know, we also have to mention the, the boyfriend uh, of the world champion in cross-country skiing, Anton Sjöqvist. He has been living there 10 years or something.
1: Ah, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, Anton Sjöqvist, that's a funny stuff because he's living in Trondheim and, of course, he's running for Stora Tuna. Uh, but at races in Norway, he's running for Frederikstad and not for a club from Trondheim. That's a bit special, I would say.
0: Yeah, but uh, he's got a really good headline in the local newspaper this summer. Uh, The boyfriend of the world champion is uh, visiting uh, the grandmother of the world champion or something like that. So
1: that was a good one. But when you have been winning Yukula four times, then you're a big star. So you should always show up in some local newspapers then.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Some who won uh, Tio this year uh, uh, from Ante uh, has also, uh, we have maybe mentioned it before, but we can recap.
1: Yeah, so uh, every year a lot of students are coming to Trondheim, but that also means that every year a lot of students are leaving Trondheim and also leaving Antony. And this autumn there's been a big, big wave of runners from Antony to the club in Oslo called Uppsala. Uh, if my count is right... Uh, Uppsala have already announced 11 new runners from Anthony this summer and autumn. Um, a lot of them not really that active or in tears anymore, uh, but two big names. Uh, Jørgen Bakli, the yeah, SKIO world champion, uh, Norwegian champion in relays, uh, a lot of international experience representing Norway. Uh, and also Oskar Störmö, uh, a guy that took a silver medal, I think it was, at the night champs, Norwegian Night Champs this spring. Uh, so that's two very, very good runners and big, big, big game changers for Uppsala uh, in the big relays. Uh, I mean, they were nowhere and, until last year and then they got a couple of guys from Anthony and now two more really good ones. Uh, so I mean, Anthony, sorry, Uppsala have been, they've been winning Nighthawk two years in a row, but internationally they've not been competitive yet, but uh, I think now that they are with these two new runners and maybe there will be more coming, I mean, silly season is long, Uppsala um, could possibly be a team that we are, should be expecting to see in the top
0: 25 at,
1: especially at Jokola uh, but also at Tiumilla. Uh,
0: both uh, Bakli and Sturma has uh, World Cup uh, merits from uh, the Norwegian team uh, uh, Yeah, Bakli this year and, uh, and uh, Sturma earlier years. So, uh, definitely some good runners there.
1: Yeah, and then uh, we have two other Anthony runners that uh, will move to the other side of Oslo, or the right side of Oslo, as I used to say, uh, with uh, Hans-Petter Mathisen and Ingrid Gullbrandsen. Uh, they've been choosing Tyrwing, um, and Tyrwing has also strengthened with Danish runner Andreas Bok Bjørnsen, uh, a very, very fast runner, internationally mainly with good results in sprint races, but he's had some... Some good first legs at the big relays. Uh, I think at Team Mila this year, he was in the top five uh, on the first leg. Uh, so, two two very strong uh, additions to the Turing's men's team and also a very, very strong addition to the Turing's women's team, uh, which is much, much needed.
0: Yeah, that's definitely interesting. And uh, it could be interesting to see what the Norwegian in Uppsala will do uh, this uh, autumn and winter. Yeah, so we have a new Norwegian in Uppsala this year,
1: uh, Martin Vieus-Sjerve, uh, the Uringen winner in men twenty this summer. Uh, he has moved to Uppsala, and I think most likely, of course, he will change to Ukolnea because, it, yeah, he's been he's been running for Flur, uh, and Flur is, uh, I mean, it's a good club and uh, which have had good results in the big relays some years ago, uh, but lately it's uh, not been very competitive in the big relays. And when he's moving in to Uppsala, and if he looks to stay there for a couple of years, I mean, it, uh, it makes sense for him to change to Ocoliné, but I mean, it's not, it's not been announced yet, and uh, I, I, I don't think he's, he's sure yet, so we will see what he, he decides, but he is a very, very good runner. I think he's been, in general, maybe the best Norwegian runner in the junior class the last one and a half year. Um, he had a very good jaywalk in Portugal last year. Not so good jaywalk this year, where he missed punched in the long distance, where it would be. Yeah, it seemed like he would be in the top six at least. Uh, but yeah, he's a he's a very good runner, and for these Nordic relays that it held in Nordic terrain, I mean, he would be a strong addition to already very very strong Ukrainian team.
0: Uh, next year, I think uh, the most important for him is the uh, Norwegian champs in. Uh... Home soil in uh, Trondelag, and then he can run for a full there, uh, both individually and in uh, the relay. So, I, I will suppose that he will uh, change to Uppelene uh, in the international relays. But, uh, yeah, we will see.
1: We will see. And then we come to the last one we will mention today in, in the silly season, uh, and that is Ulrik Astro Barnesen. He's like the, so he's the fourth guy of the TU winning team that we are mentioning here that will be leaving Anthony. Um, he has finished his studies in Tornheim and he has moved to Oslo, where he's uh, yeah, training with, and also changed back for the Norwegian champs to his boyhood club uh, hemming uh, But everything points to him signing for a Finnish club. Uh, yeah, you know, partly because of the big relays, but also for preparations for world cha- potentially World Championship in 2025. Uh, he is first and foremost a sprinter, but he has some good results also in the forest. And I think, uh, yeah. If I had to guess, it I would say it's uh, he's, it's likely that he ends up in Tour de or maybe Calvin Uh But yeah, if I had to put if I had to put my money on something, I would be betting that the uh, Ulrikas is running the big relays for Tour de next year. But we will have to wait and see. Silly season is long. Uh, a lot of the times, yeah, the announcement come already, yeah, already in November. Sometimes it lasts until. Uh, end of February, beginning of March. So hopefully we will see a lot of stuff happening and that we have a lot of things to talk about during the winter.
0: Uh, We uh, hope uh, to have a lot of things to talk about. Uh, And one guy who was interesting to talk to uh, after his season uh, this year uh, was the breakthrough guy in Austria, as we mentioned earlier in this episode, uh, Janis Bonek. uh, Really interesting to hear... uh, which uh, was the secret uh, leading to his, um, yeah, the breakthrough. He had a really good season uh, both before the World Champs uh, and also he got the medal he aimed for there and uh, also after the World Champs. Um, uh, I think we could go straight to this interview and listen what uh, is his secret behind the success. Even National Orienteering Podcast uh, has uh, taken uh, the opportunity to reach down to this year's uh, big breakthrough, I would say, in uh, international men's orienteering. Janis Sponek uh, in Austria, how are you? Thank you. Um,
2: thanks for the invitation.
0: And uh, how are you here in, uh, in the autumn, uh, late October? Is it uh, off season for you now?
2: Yeah, I'm actually in Uppsala right now, so already started um, training again, and um, yeah, taking the chance to do some volunteering in nice Scandinavian terrain. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, you're in Uppsala. You are running for Ukolinea, in the, the Swedish uh, TMLA winner from uh, last year, and uh, then you are probably training in. Uh, in uh, Lunzen and uh, Nosten and uh, legendary terrain there right now this week
2: Ex- exactly yes so um, I've just come a, a couple of days ago but I'm looking forward to the next weeks and um, yeah it's, for, it's good um, good training partners good friends here so um, very fun
0: yeah how is the situation for you are your uh... Uh, full-time uh, elite orienteer, or uh, is it a, a part-time student? And uh, how how is the situation for a guy uh, aiming for the top in orienteering?
2: Yeah, well, I'm I'm employed by the Austrian military um, to be a sportsman, so uh, I get the opportunity to really train full-time and uh, getting paid f- for that by the Austrian military. So I'm very thankful for that. I'm also trying to study a bit part-time, like distance, um, distance study, but to be honest, this year I I didn't really do that much. It was the main focus on our
0: Yeah, how how long have you been uh, employed by the uh, military in Austria? Um, Yeah, I started in 2018, but like the
2: first six months, it was like this mandatory military service we have to do in austria and since yeah the spring of 2019 i've been there uh really employed as a athlete
0: so uh so uh the the couple of last years as a junior and then uh, all the senior years so far exactly yeah uh, and uh, when did you um, you pick up uh, to start uh, uh, yeah really focus on orienteering was it in the, the same um, years, late junior years years or so?
2: Yeah, I mean, I started volunteering quite early and always had fun. And I, I was always quite ambitious, I would say. But of course, um, yeah, since joining the military, the opportunity like to really focus on the sport um, has just gotten better. So I would say that was also the point where I really, yeah even more focus went on to Uh and, um,
0: and when did you uh, yeah start the running for Ukaline, for example?
2: Uh, that was 2015. I was doing an exchange semester here in Uppsala and went for like uh, one semester to the orienteering gymnasium here. Um, so, so a couple of years ago already, but since then I've been Part of Lini and um, yeah, I'm happy to be here.
0: Is uh, that uh, important for your uh, development uh, as an orienteer?
2: Yeah, I would say for sure. I mean, for one, uh, being here and training here in in these trains and dif- uh, difficult orienteering, one, but also um, yeah, to have such great like runners in in the club. Um, for example, Albin, he helped me um, kind of. All the past years in developing and uh, so yeah that's for sure a very important part um, of my development
0: but uh, I, I think uh, of course uh, the national orienteering podcast listeners uh, saw you uh, performing really good uh, the spring and this spring before uh, uh, world champs in Switzerland but uh, um, uh, what, what did you do uh, uh, yeah, before this season, that uh, make this uh, breakthrough uh, possible.
2: Yeah, f- first I would say um, there has been a constant development over the past two years, um, actually. So it's, it was not that much different. Um, the only thing would was really different is this year I I did some altitude camps um, ahead of Switzerland because we thought. Even it, it's, if it's not that high up in the mountains, um, it would be a good opportunity to try it out and um, go on some altitude camps beforehand in the winter already. So that's what I did. And I think that for sure also um, helped me develop this year on the physical side.
0: So that's something you will also do uh, the coming years? Yes. And when will you go to the altitude now this uh, winter?
2: Um, I'll be going to Kenya in end of November um, for four weeks, and then probably, or and then in January I will go to South Africa again, um, like I've been last winter. So, um, looking forward to that.
0: So, uh, this is an altitude regime. Are are you doing that alone or together with the Austrian team or uh, clubmates?
2: Um, Yeah, different. Last year I've been um, in South Africa with uh, Julia Meyer. She's like a training partner. Um, She has the same coach and she's uh, training for a marathon, actually. Um, So, but we could have, we did have. Could do quite some trainings together, um, but this year actually we'll also be with the, our national team going to to altitude with the national team um, because they yeah. So it, it depends sometimes um, with other people and sometimes with the national team. So
0: yeah, you you mentioned your coach there. Uh, who is that? Can you name him?
2: Uh, Vincent Vermeulen.
0: So, so he's uh, co- uh, how long? He's a local coach in Austria.
2: Yeah, well, he's he's my coach since 2019 in the summer. Um, but he's he doesn't have a orienteering background actually. So he's a, he was a cross-country skier himself, and is like coaching different kinds of endurance sports. And I'm very happy to have him because I think he has great knowledge and. Um, yeah, seems to work quite well.
0: Yeah, how, how do you uh, complement with the mental and out, uh, orienteering technical issues? Uh, is that with a national team coach or together with the national team and or uh, the clubmates?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I try to like get input from different people. So it's for one, like as already mentioned, like if we're on uh, linear camps with Albin and uh, Lika and all, all those other guys. It's always um, interesting to learn from them. Then, of course, um, from Radek at the national team camps, I can learn a lot. And also, Matthias Leonard helped me a bit this year, or actually past years, um, also in preparing for Switzerland. So, yeah, I'll try to get some input from from other people on on the orienteering part.
0: Yeah, Matthias Leonard, we should mention, he he, uh, he was named... uh... Miller earlier wasn't he, and uh, yeah. has a gold medal from uh, world champs in uh, Trondheim in uh, 2010 in the sprint there. Uh, for those who uh, have been around for such a long time, but uh, yeah, as I mentioned, it was kind of a breakthrough there in the spring, and uh, as as we saw it from outside, you were uh, positioning uh, for um, yeah for the world champs as a medal contender there. Um, Especially in the long distance, uh, uh, how was that for you to realize that?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was, it was great to see. I mean, actually, when the international season started with the World Cups in Norway, um, I was not that happy because it was I was something around position 20, like I think in the both long and middle distance. But I felt like during the winter I had developed. Um more than more than that because I like around place 20 already had been like the year before or two years before actually on if I had good races so I actually thought pooh there is still still a big gap um, to the front or still a lot of work to do but then yeah coming closer to world champs I realized okay um maybe also Switzerland suits me better and was was good to get the feeling um I'm getting closer to that goal and uh, as you said i also thought myself that the long distance would be the discipline that suits me best um but yeah apparently i can run middle distance as well
0: yeah but because uh the it was this selection races with um, switzerland sweden norway and you also were running there and there were two um, uh courses there but we could see that uh, you um Matthias Geburts, Kasper Fosser, Emil Svensk were the names who uh, had the highest speed and uh, best uh, orienteering there. And yeah, you were uh, uh, definitely a medal contender, but you didn't succeed so much uh, in uh, the long distance. Uh, and how do you then work? Uh, there, There is then a couple of days uh, to the middle distance. How do you work then uh, to strike back yeah
2: i mean the long distance was quite a disappointed um because yeah i really thought that this was the race um where i could be good so um yeah on the rest day between the long and the middle distance i just i just went biking for one hour did not run um took it easy and um yeah tried to mentally refocus or and Went to the mid, into the middle distance very, very relaxed, but um, focused. And yeah, really happy it turned out that well.
0: Yeah, uh, it was, it's a mental game there, uh, but also physical. Both uh, Kiburts and Fossar uh, uh, were, were talking about after the long distance that uh, their uh, legs were really smashed. Uh, how was your leg uh, on the Friday?
2: Yeah, my, my, my legs were also re- very smashed, um, to be honest. And when warming up for the middle distance, I had pain like in every step of running. But I tried to force me uh, to do at least a bit of warm up to be ready. But yeah, while racing the middle distance, the legs then felt pretty good. So um, that was, was a nice surprise, actually.
0: Yeah, and uh, the legs felt uh, good, and you also did a really good uh, uh, race uh, technically. So, yeah, getting a medal there, uh, uh, as far as I know, yeah, the first uh, men uh, world champs medal for Austria so yeah, far in orienteering.
2: Yeah, that's true. It was the first men's medal.
0: And uh, how, how is that? Uh, yeah, take us through the uh, the day there. Uh, how 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 is the day? tough uh, a warm-up but then when you're uh, picking up the map
2: yeah um i had a quite clear plan on how i wanted to earn here to not take any risks because and even even if if i feel slow um in the difficult terrain to not take any risks and that's what i i did pretty well um when i started to control number one i there was a moment where i was like um Pushing too hard, I think, or and not following my plan. But unfortunately, um, there was this path I could like follow up on where I am. And from that point on, I I did secure on um and took control of the control. And then um, I think it was control number five. I I was right on the way to the control and um, just thought I will go a bit more left. Um, to be a bit more secure to have the control on the right side and then went a bit too far left and missed the control. There, I, there was my biggest mistake um, on this control number five that day but I could kind of clean it up pretty fast and then the rest of the course went uh, really well and especially like the last part from the lake, I still felt uh, strong and um did good volunteering so that was uh yeah and then coming to the finish um it was uh, really enjoyable to know like or to to realize that this is a really good performance and um so many people cheering that was uh yeah uh, a moment to remember for sure
0: yeah a moment to remember but how, how is uh, described for us, uh... Who's never got the uh, world champs medal? C- could you feel uh, that this is uh, really it? D- this could be a medal race. Uh, do you have that feeling when you're running there uh, uh, towards the last control?
2: Yeah, when I was
0: running towards the last control,
2: um, I didn't. I mean, I didn't think about if this could be a medal or not, but my teammates, my friends, my family, they were all there cheering and um they were definitely cheering differently than uh, than they were cheering like when i was 11th at the long distance. So i i knew okay this really has to be good. Um yeah, if if it could be a medal or not, i i, I wasn't thinking in that moment, but i was um i was happy that it was a that it was probably a really good race and yeah, then going over the finish line and realizing you're leading um, the world champs race with already like many good people started ahead of you. Um, Yeah. An an amazing moment.
0: Yeah. um, Because you, uh, even though it was a medal or not, you had um, uh, a stroke back after a disappointing long distance. Uh, And then uh, it ends with uh, yeah. Um, Excitement and medal there, uh, uh, you you maybe um, get a reaction on the relay the day after. I suspect uh, not so much sleep uh, before that race, uh, maybe.
2: Yeah, the relay was a bit of a disaster from my side. Um, Yeah, I mean, the middle distance date was a very exciting day. Thanksgiving in the evening, um, you're right, not that much sleep ahead of the the relay. Um, It's hard to, yeah fall asleep um, when so much happened. And... Yeah,
0: but but uh, then we should not uh, st- stick with that so so long because uh, there is a World Cup uh, only two weeks later. And, and then we see that uh, this medal was not a coincidence. Uh, uh, how was your... Uh, your um, you were just uh, flying on the same bi- good shape and mental... Uh, offensiveness uh, into that uh, World Cup round in Czech Republic?
2: Yeah, apparently. I mean, this uh, this uh, race in Czech Republic was uh, kind of surprising for myself, or that, I would say, that just happened, because I the World Champs have been the big goal, and um, so, so um, the weeks between World Champs and the World Cup, there was not really any training from my side. But I came well rested to the race and, yeah, had had a clear tactic and uh, felt really good that day. So, um, yeah, it was uh, another really good day.
0: Yeah, and then you were uh, at top of the world uh, winning uh, the first uh, World Cup race. Uh, and then we have to mention that uh, this was the second World Cup win for an Austrian runner. Yeah. Uh, because there was uh, one early 90s also. yeah. Uh, but but for you it was the first, and uh, this will uh, uh, yeah, make also the goals for next season, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean uh, next season with uh, the world champs in sprint again, it will be a, a different challenge, but the challenge I'm looking forward to, so my plan is to also develop in the sprint and yeah, see how far I can get there. Uh, hopefully far. Um, yeah, so that... But, the yeah, season this year definitely sets, sets the goals high for next year.
0: Yeah, but uh, you are competitive in uh, sprint. We saw you had the best uh, leg time in the sprint, really, at the Europeans. And uh, also top 10 in the knockout sprint there. So, uh, yeah, some margins for the medals. But, uh, yeah, are you... I know uh, you are now allowed to think about uh, world champs medal and also in sprint.
2: Yeah, I mean that's the goal of of course.
0: Yeah, how do you how do you look uh, at the uh, 2024 season uh, uh, sprint in uh, Scotland and and there is a European champs in Hungary. Um, uh, are you aiming for both of them?
2: Yeah. I, I... I would say the main goal will be the world champs in, in Scotland. Um, but I'm also looking forward to the European champs in Hungary. I mean, it's not that far from home and the terrain, which probably should suit me, um, quite well, even without like a lot of specific preparation. If the, yeah, the most of the preparation will go into, into world champs. So, but yeah, I'm looking forward to running both.
0: Yeah, and if, you, if we look further, uh, then it's uh, world champs in Finland, and uh, two years after that, it's uh, Hungary again with the world champs. Uh, uh, what what's your uh, if you take it so long? How, how's your long term goal?
2: <laughs> Hard to say now, um, but uh, yeah, the world champs in Finland is a is a big goal actually. Um, because, um, yeah, I, I think, um, I'm really looking forward to running there. So, yeah, uh, haven't thought about like the years after that, uh, to be honest, but if it's Hungary, um, yeah, it's definitely something I can prepare well for, um, and something which should yeah, suit me as well. So um yeah
0: i think i will take it uh, step by step step by step yeah Yeah. (laughs) but um are you uh look do you look at yourself as a forest runner or a sprint runner you uh yeah of course you have the medals from uh, forest but uh also competitive in sprint
2: yeah i would consider myself as a forest runner so when i was growing up it was like my family and my grandparents i mean they they never did like sprint training in their elite career so um, we were i was raised like more into forest running i would say and it's also um over long term the training which is more fun i think um also if, even if sprint training is fun to do it and, and to focus on that for some time but um overall i couldn't consi- would consider myself more as
0: a forest runner uh, but uh, what are you doing uh, uh, in front of the world champs in scotland to develop as a sprint uh, oriental so some uh, yeah we, we
2: will not we have not defined it ex- exactly but um we will try to do some more specific um running uh trainings uh, for the shorter distances to be faster have more speed and yeah, to be also competitive there. Um, but yeah, it's not uh, not completely sure uh, how we will do that or what exactly is in the plan. But um, I hope I'll figure it out next year.
0: You will figure it out. Uh, and what are you doing in the coming weeks in Uppsala? Are you just uh, doing uh, some uh, night corridor with uh, Gidefalt and uh, Jojo or uh, is it also some sprint training?
2: No, it will be a forest running now this week. So I'm, I think that's a part of my preparation for Finland already. So um, some Scandinavian terrain. So now it's forest training. And um, yeah, I'll start my sprint preparation when when the next year starts.
0: Yeah, how, how uh, you are running for Ukulene? How, how important is the relays for you? Jukula to Jumila is very important for the uh, the Swedish and Finnish and Norwegian clubs.
2: Yeah, I mean uh, Tumila is very important, and I mean I've been running it several times. We won it last year; it was uh, incredible. So I'm, um, yeah, it's something I already look forward to already next year as well. Yukulay is something I actually never ran until now. Um, kind of always something came in between, or just ahead of the World Champs. It uh, didn't really fit into my plan so but yeah looking forward to run ukula one time as well i mean it's uh i only heard good things
0: uh yeah no uh you have uh, maybe lost the last leg runner on ukula uh lucas Lilan he is in brazil studying there uh, will you step up and take the last leg on the big relays for ukule next year
2: I, I don't think it's my I'm in the position to decide that um, but uh, if they need me on the last leg i I'm I'm happy to do it
0: you you need to be a bit more offensive no you have a, a world champs medal you can uh, put on the table that's a good arg- argument uh, in that discussion <laughs> but um, <laughs> but even though um, yeah uh, it's nice uh, having you here and we will. Uh, uh, see how you're doing uh, both uh, uh, in the big relays and also in the international champs uh, next ne- next year, Janis. Uh, uh, thank you a lot for having time to talk with us. Yeah,
2: thanks again for the invitation. It was fun.
0: Yeah, good training towards uh, new goals. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye bye. for the last part to go. Uh, That was Janis uh, uh, uh telling us a bit about. Uh, both his uh, training, uh, how he's looking forward to next season and uh, and uh, yeah, how his uh, race towards the World Championship uh, bronze medal was. Uh, uh, what do you uh, take out from this uh, talk? Anything uh, special?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's always interesting to hear uh, what people are doing. Uh, of course, in these kind of interviews, I mean, it's always a very brief uh, and not so detailed explanation. Uh, but i mean it was very interesting with the what he said about the altitude training that he did last year for the first time properly systematically and that ha- now that for next year he will make an even more intense altitude schedule uh, with we'd even going into uh, to kenya before christmas uh, so we get two long altitude uh, camps in africa this winter uh, and, i mean if that goes well uh, everything is yeah, I mean everything is there for him making another step next year, uh, which I think it's needed if he wants to be competitive in the sprint at the same level that he has been competitive in the forest this year. Um, but yeah, so we will see what uh, how it goes. I mean, training in altitude it also comes with a risk, um, but if you can do if you can balance it right, I mean the potential benefits is very big.
0: Yeah, it was uh, really interesting, and I also think it's uh, it's. uh Really good the way he turned a disappointing long distance uh, into a success in the middle. Uh, the way you come into a champs, it's uh, always difficult to to change if you're um, not succeeding in the first uh, race. And you uh, really have to uh, work hard uh, mentally to get get uh, on the top again.
1: Yeah, and then but it's also the fact that when you're putting most of your mental energy into one of the races. Uh, which you think is maybe the big chance. And then, yeah, you kind of underperform slightly about what compared to what you're expecting. Uh, Then it's also the possibility that you go into the next race with much less pressure from yourself and much less expectations that you have to perform well. And I think sometimes that makes it easier. Uh, But of course, uh, it's always, I think it's in general, it's always easier to do good races after another good race because then you are, very good on high confidence and all that stuff but yeah we saw it now that this year in the world championship he was yeah slightly underperforming in the in the long distance which was his big goal and then with the superb performance in the middle distance winning the first yeah the first male medal for austria in the world championship and then a bit of a crash landing in the relay the day after where he had of course he his position wasn't great, and he was not in the fight for a medal. Uh, but Silic was in the fight for a top six, which would have been a very good result for Austria. Um, but yeah, there he, he was not performing anywhere near his uh, yeah his level in the other important races this year.
0: Uh, and then uh, he took the, uh, his first ever World Cup uh, victory, just on the flow. Uh, it seems. Yeah, I mean.
1: When you when you are in very good for
0: physical form and
1: you have the, the confidence that I mean I'm sure that winning a world medal uh, and clearly taking a massive step this year um, made a lot for his confidence going into the, the World Cup round in Czech Republic and of course when he won there as well uh, I mean there is no reason for him to be doped in himself at least uh, nothing that's uh, that's that's something that can be very useful for him in the in the big races in the future.
0: Uh, About uh, the future, Uh, we can uh, uh, take a look at what's uh, coming up uh, uh, this week in uh, Orienteering World. Is there something interesting?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of races coming up, but there are some interesting races. Um, For example, there is uh, these races in Hungary. I think it's called Spartacus Autumn Cup or something like that. Uh, which is very relevant for the upcoming European Championship uh, next year, next summer. Uh, and here we have both the middle distance and the long distance, and we can see some strong names are entered uh, from, yeah, from outside of Hungary as well. Of course, we have all the best Hungarians there in the women's side. We have Rita Amorosi, Viktoria Amalt, Sofia Sarkozy and so on. Uh, and also some strong foreign runners. We have uh, Denisa and Teresa Koshova from Czech Republic. We have uh, the Swedish twins Nelly and Elin Karlsson. Uh, we have Teresa Schmelikova uh, from Slovakia that has been performing pretty well internationally, uh, especially in sprint races. But she's also pretty good for orienteering. Uh, so some 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 really good runners from outside of Hungary and also the best from Hungary. So it will be a nice test of, yeah, I mean, more what you can expect to see from the terrain, uh, this type of terrain. What's what's the best way to do orienteering here when it comes to retraces and so on. Uh, and on the men's side, we have a very good start field. We have Ruslan glebo we have both the SIL brothers, Timo and Lauri. We have Wojciech Kral and yeah, some decent Norwegian runners with experience from the national team. Uh, Andreas Söllberg and Howard Vedega. And also here we have all the best Hungarians with, yeah, with Soltan Boyduso and Ferent Jonas. Uh, the medalist from j in the last few years as the, as the biggest names. So yeah, that's, a, that's definitely a race to look out for and especially yeah, take a look at the map and splits and route choices and so on. Uh, so that's going to be interesting step towards the European Championship next summer. Uh, and
0: yeah. A long time ago, uh, it was uh, world champs in Hungary, early 80s. And then uh, there also was this uh, race in the autumn before. And then the Norwegian guys, they were uh, running there. They were testing uh, with those uh, nine millimeter spikes, um, running spikes uh, in the forest there. That, that was not a great success in the autumn in, uh, in Hungary because all the leaves were uh, were uh, taking, the spikes were taking all the leaves. So they were uh, even more slippery than uh, traditional or shoes. But yeah. uh, the Norwegian handled it uh, though. I think they were um, four on top in the World Champs uh, the summer after. Uh, but we can see this, um, if we give the only... Yeah, peaks on how will, who will perform good in the Europeans next summer uh, with those results um, coming up here in Spartacus, Kep, uh, autumn.
1: Yeah, and then, of course, we, it's not the only thing that is happening. Of course, there's still orienteering races everywhere. Um, in Switzerland, there will be the traditional team orienteering championship, uh, for example, and then we have a, a bit of an exotic event that I've marked down in the calendar. Uh, the Japanese championship in middle distance and long distance uh, in Katsura at the southeast coast of Japan, just outside of Tokyo. Uh, It's a competition with quite big start fields. Uh, There's around 50 runners in the women's elite class and around 80 runners in the men's elite class. So pretty big start fields. And I remember that last year, these races, the Japanese championship had some really, really interesting maps. And I've been looking a little bit at the yeah, of the old map of the area they will be running in this year. And it looks like a pretty brutal challenge that so is waiting for the runners. Uh, it's very complex terrain with uh, a lot of ridges and slopes. Uh, so it's possible to make uh, very, very interesting route choice lakes here, I think. Uh, and also there'll be a lot of climbing. I think the men's will be facing about 700 meters of climbing in 10 kilometers course. Uh, so yeah, this is, this is one of the races where I'm really looking forward to see the see the map and the course. And I think this is, yeah, from looking at the old map, this is a terrain where you can make really, really good recharge challenges. Uh, so hopefully we'll see some legs here that are very good candidates, for example, for the route to Christmas that is coming on World of War every December. Uh,
0: from uh, the route to Christmas, uh, just uh, wondering the team competition in Switzerland, uh, will uh, uh, the national team runners, will they take part Will we see the big stars to uh, yeah, at the yeah. time? Not all of them, but uh, yeah, quite a lot of
1: uh, the top runners are there. Uh, Matthias Kiewert is not running, I think, and Simon Eberschold is in uh, altitude training in font But we have a team with, I think the biggest team favorites on the men's side is the team with the, the Hubmann brothers and Janis Hutzli. Uh, they won the, the Swiss relay champs in the summer and they should be the biggest favorites here for the team team competition as well.
0: Uh, that that will be uh, exciting uh, to see, uh, also. I think that's a bit uh, tactical, uh, race uh, also. To be uh, but the Hoopman brothers, they used to be uh, all the brothers uh, or three of them in one team. Isn't that the deal with them in this race? Yeah, I
1: think it's it's oh, yeah. Now I'm going out on a limb here, but I think it's probably, yeah, maybe eight, ten years ago. Since uh, Beat Hugman, I think his name is uh, the third Hubman brother, was still running at a decent okay. level. So,
0: yeah, I think it's been it's been a while. But um, that uh, we will pick up that in the uh, next episode, and uh, also we, then we will pick up an other uh, runner that uh, yeah we could say had a quite of a breakthrough this season. Tomas Hřibda, uh, uh, Czech Republic. Interesting to hear uh, what the, he is up to. Uh, to uh, be even uh, better uh, next year. Uh, But still, it's uh, off-season and still season, so uh, we hope that uh, you can uh, also give us some tips to what we can talk about. Uh, We have already got some, but uh, um, we can have more tips, uh, of course. Um, And uh, we cannot forget uh, the hot and hot... column in this uh, pod. Do you have anything, Ivo?
1: Oh, you say we cannot forget it, but I have totally forgotten it about it. Uh, <laughs> this week as well. Uh, yeah, so uh, ooh, hot or not. Um, well, I think uh, uh, the hot stuff, uh, interview with Janis Bonek, uh, and I think we are onto something good here with interviewing some runners that is really the up-and-coming superstars of international volunteering. So, great start with Janis Bornek and also a great follow-up in Thomas Krivda coming next week. Uh, so, my hot is that uh, again, next week we'll have a great interview with a guy that I think is very, very close to his first big international win. And I will not be surprised if that comes next year.
0: Yeah, uh, we can uh, at least guarantee that uh, we will come again next week and, and then with an uh... Talk with uh, Thomas Chivda. Uh, until then, stay tuned and uh, do a lot of uh, orienteering in the night. Bye bye. Oh, man! Then draw out and go for orienteering with map and compass, and the right shoes. Sight has got it the best. The terrain for the body was easy and good. orienteering podcast. Map and compass. Navigation Skills here competition i'm a meto yable boy of post like a motherfucker ever national orienteering podcast